Hello there, and greetings to you. Welcome to Duel of the Takes, the movie and pop culture podcast that pins the wildest, most unpopular opinions head-to-head. Today, we are joined by special guest and friend of the show, Michael McGorry, who you might know from his YouTube channel, Movies and Milk. Today, with Michael's help, we will be ranking every Dr. Seuss movie. My name's Nathaniel Martin, and I am joined by my regular co-hosts, Joshua Kubis, Alden Mason, and Jory Boston. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Duel of the Takes. Today, well, we're talking about Dr. Seuss movies. Now, I know this might be a, an odd topic, uh, a questionable topic in these trying times, but... Um, oh, we're just kicking off the show with this. Yeah, so there's uh, only five feature-length movies, and then there's uh, like nine shorts, like animated shorts. That's kind of why it's a little problematic, I think, to do it, is like not all of these are... <laughs> <laughs> our feature length but we wanted to rank every movie that dr seuss had his fingerprints on i thought you were talking about dr seuss himself he's a he's fairly problematic right now is he not is he it's it's a hit or miss i think most people don't really care some of his older stuff is kind of like weird but none of that older stuff is popular so it doesn't really matter to to address the elephant in the room um the horse in the room <laughs> He did have some pretty, some pretty sus early illustrations, but I think that was just a product of his time. I mean, like Mel Blanc, who's a common collaborator, had some problematic episodes of Tom and Jerry as well. So, oh yes, everyone was at it back in the day. Oh yeah, they were just wild and back then. Anyway, we're joined by our good friend Michael from the YouTube channel Movies and Milk. Hello. Hello, greetings. As I said to Alden and Nate earlier on, just treat me like I'm your long-distance grandfather. Go go slow on me. I didn't know what the word, uh, what is it, Kino? I never heard of the word Kino before I listened to your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, pi- I'm picturing you sitting in like a like a Scottish field with like a pipe in your mouth, uh, wondering what Kino means. <laughs> so Kino is a German word for theater, and uh, it was popularized on 4chan on the TV boards as uh, good, like good movie, like cinema. Okay, I've 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 came to that realization, but then you just threw a curveball at me a couple of episodes ago with the word base. Oh, based. <laughs> <laughs> we got called kind of old in the mangas for using the word based in chat. True. All right. So the list of movies that we're working from here, just so those of you paying attention at home, in chronological order, we've got the Five Thousand Fingers of Doctor T. How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the 1966 television special, Horton Hears a Who, The Cat in the Hat, The Lorax, The Hoobler Bloob Highway, Halloween is Grinch Night, The Grinch Grinches the Cat in the Hat, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the Ron Howard picture, The Cat in the Hat, the Mike Myers picture, Horton Hears a Who, 2008 remake, The Lorax, the 2012 remake, The Illumination, The Grinch movie, and also Dr. Seuss's The Grinch musical, the most recent movie that just came out uh, this past Christmas. Amazing. Only on television on NBC, I believe. Oof. Didn't come out in the UK, so um, I hadn't seen it. I haven't seen it. Don't worry, Michael. I haven't seen like more than half of these either. Yeah, that's fine. This isn't one that really needs all that ho- all that much homework. Isn't that every Duel of the Takes episode? I mean, with you guys as my co-host, yes. Can't wait for the uh, Fast and the Furious episode coming up. <laughs> You're going to be in that, Jory? Maybe. All six of or five of us, rather, have a veto. There's 14 movies here, I believe? Yes. That's- so by the top five, vetoes will no longer need to be used. 
Uh, who would like to go first? I'll go first. All right, Josh. What is the worst Dr. Seuss movie ever made? It's the Grinch musical. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. You're right. It is. Like, can we talk about Matthew Morrison for a second? The sure. star, star of this movie, the man who played the Grinch, who unironically in an interview uh, said that he took inspiration from Joker 2019 for this role. <laughs> it's just so bad. And and it's so like it was like you said, Nate. It was this past uh, Christmas, and it's still like fresh in everybody's minds. It just sucks that this is the most recent like content ar- around Doctor Seuss. <laughs> it's a shame because I think Matthew Morrison is extremely talented. I saw him in the uh, Broadway musical Finding Neverland, which is uh, based off of the 2003 film starring Johnny Depp about the uh, J.M. Barry and him writing um, the Peter Pan like books and stuff. And it's really, really great musical. And he was fantastic in the lead. So despite the meme that this looked like, I was going into it quite optimistic. I was like, this is probably going to be pretty good. I don't love all of the NBC like live showings of musicals that they've taped uh, around the holidays. But I was like, oh, this one's like Christmas themed. This is probably going to be pretty good. Terrible. <laughs> it was serious. I couldn't get through it. And I don't normally turn things off once I start them. I could not finish this movie. It was that bad. 12 minutes in, I think, is how far I made it. I could barely get through the soundtrack. I listened to the soundtrack. I've not seen the, the show itself, but the soundtrack was horrible. I did not like a single original song. Um, and all the songs from the original source material. I thought were absolutely garbage. I would much rather listen to the Tyler, the creator rendition of You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch. I 100% agree. True. But uh, as for now, I definitely agree with Josh that Dr. Seuss's The Grinch Musical is the worst thing that Dr. Seuss has ever done. (laughs) (laughs) I'd say that. It wasn't a lie. Well, Michael, what do you have at your number 13? I don't know if this is a hot take, um, but I've got the 2012 Lorax. I'd say that's a hot take. I think that's a hot take. Pretty hot take. That is my friend Kevin's number one. Whoa. Yo, Kevin is tripping balls. <laughs> I do know a lot of people that absolutely adore this film. I just found it to be very, very boring and very bland compared to the the rest of the Doctor Seuss feature films. I don't know how this musical film starring Taylor Swift and Zac Efron doesn't have a single song sung by them. Instead, the film's big musical number is sung by who is it? Ed Helms. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it is. And Betty White even has a singing role. Jesus. Yeah, no, it just looked like every other animated kids movie that comes out nowadays. I think Danny DeVito brought a lot to the character of the Lorax. What you're saying, Michael, is definitely true to a degree. I feel like also comparing it to things that came out around that time, like as far as Dr. Seuss content for movies for kids, you're comparing it up against like the Mike Myers Cat in the Hat movie, the uh, Horton Hears a Who movie that came out around the same time like i remember being pleasantly surprised when i saw this for the first time it may have been because i just saw it very recently and i had heard such good reviews and what have you but i just didn't like it at all i wouldn't consider it a masterpiece like number one like fuck no absolutely not but right before second to last like yeah i think that this needs to go higher Hmm. Are you going to use a veto then, Jory? Sure, why not? Okay. What are you placing here then? All right, let's pick a name out of a hat. Let's pick the Grinch. Grinch is the cat in the hat. That's my number 12. Yeah. It was my number 11. Josh, it sounded like you thought that that was going to be a hot take. Uh, 
Do you want to defend this? Yeah, Josh, break it down. The Lorax, the, the Illuminations Dr. Seuss is the Lorax up against the Grinch Grinch is the cat in the hat. Let me know your thoughts here. I mean, I want these to be higher. Um, <laughs> I like both of these. Because um, the Grinch Grinch is the cat in the hat is kind of, I think, an underrated uh, Dr. Seuss animated movie granted i don't know if it's aged well i haven't seen it since i was like seven i'm just going off that memory <laughs> i had never seen this one and then i think you brought it up yeah when i made the list initially because it was missing and you were like what about the grinch grinch is the cat in the hat i was like what the fuck is that <laughs> so i watched it right then after <laughs> It has a lot of the same elements that I don't like about the original Cat in the Hat, uh, where it, it just feels very bland. Like, I do think that the Lorax is definitely not the best of the Illumination uh, Dr. Seuss crossovers, but it's got, like, musical numbers, and it's got, like, a couple of funny bits. I mean, Ed Helms really shouldn't be singing. I agree with you wholeheartedly, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I felt like the Grinch versus the Cat in the Hat just felt like a bad Saturday morning cartoon special. I mean, really, the Cat in the Hat's just trying to have a picnic, and the Grinch... Which, mind you, his heart's already grown three sizes that day. So now he's just being a dickhead. <laughs> pretty much ruining the Cat in the Hat's picnic. Cat in the Hat's a pretty overpowered character when you look at him. I mean, he's able to, like, cause all this mischief and, you know, clean it all up in a quick matter of time. But he's getting outsmarted by some dickhead who hates Christmas. It doesn't make any fucking sense. The Cat in the Hat isn't a perfect protagonist either. Um, inciting incident of this film is when the cat calls the Grinch a green face. He's a racist. So being just like his creator. Oh, shit. <laughs> it's very, it's very, it reminded me a lot of Batman v Superman. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, do you bleed? And also, the film ends with like something to do with motherhood. Just comes out of nowhere. Why did you say that name? All I'm saying is release the Snyder Cut of the Grinch Grinch is the cat in the hat. Horton, how do you know her name? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, between these two, I do have the Grinch Grinch's the cat in the hat lower. It's it's silly. I'm perfectly fine with it. But if the Lorax gets much higher, I, I will I will start to speak up. <laughs> <laughs> you speak for the trees. Yeah, that's cool, I guess. <laughs> well, a good use of the, the veto from Jory there. All right. Uh, Josh started, Michael went, I'll go next. This is the one that I actually had at number 13. Uh, I'm going to nominate here at number 12, the original, The Cat in the Hat. Oh my God. Oh. The 1971 film. Uh, now, as someone who loved reading Dr. Seuss books as a kid, The Cat in the Hat's a classic. I mean, The Cat in the Hat is probably his most beloved character. Uh, he's on the spine of almost every Dr. Seuss book. You would think that they would go into this with the same amount of love and care that they did with the 1966 how the grinch stole christmas special but no this is just extremely bland uh it goes through the book ab about a minute per page and it doesn't really add too much it doesn't really do anything unique it is really just the book brought to animation and it's fine but it's not very whimsical it's not very over the top it doesn't add anything it's just land you you're honestly better off reading the book here i mean in comparison the 1966 grinch made for television christmas special you have boris karloff as the voice of the grinch and narrating the film and in this you've you've got what no one of note in the voice cast alan sherman as the cat in the hat which he reprises his role in these other ones but honestly like it's not a memorable character 
at all. Yeah. There's no good music in this. What? I just want to I just want to say something from uh the rest of the panel. I agree with Nate. It sounds like there's a lot of hesitance coming from everybody else though. Could I uh could I just mention the fact that I hadn't actually seen this film until an hour ago? <laughs> <laughs> so it's still very fresh in my memory. Uh, and to be perfectly honest with you, uh, I, I don't really remember much of it. Sheesh, you just watched it an hour ago. <laughs> All I can remember is that most of the runtime is dedicated to how you say cat in the hat in different languages. <laughs> that is a big part of it. That's like a third of the movie. I did have it at number three, but I have been drinking quite a bit the day, so... <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely all right with putting it low. <laughs> That's a post WandaVision number three. I like this guy. I mean, it's eight o'clock over here in Scotland, um, and it's been a fairly sunny day, so... Three o'clock here in America, but I think I have the same energy. Oh, no. No, I'm drinking coffee and whiskey. I'm drinking Mucinex. <laughs> Tori's trying to survive COVID-19 while talking about Dr. Seuss movies. <laughs> <laughs> bro COVID ain't shit <laughs> Jory you sound like you're dying no I'm completely fine round two is in the in the bag <laughs> Jory wants that next variant hit me with the UK strain <laughs> hit me with absolutely nothing coming out of the UK I will, I will say yes we are useless uh, I do say <laughs> I kind of want to veto do it then alright uh, this better be good what is worse than Dr. Seuss's The Cat in the Hat, the original 1972 film? Or 71, rather. I want to pick something that I've actually watched, but I'll uh, I'll put the Lorax here. Yes! Because I know he'll agree. It is a very weak cast, and um, yeah, I mean, you got Danny DeVito. It, the movie's a big meme. It is a fun meme, but I think the 1971 Cat in the Hat, even if you think it's bland... I think is a better representation of the Dr. Seuss, um, just its style and books. Um, I don't find it as bland. I actually quite enjoyed the music and everything in here. Um, yeah, I enjoyed the it, it a lot as a kid, and I have it a little bit higher on my list. The Lorax, I don't think I even watched when it came out. Actually, my my mom and sister went to see the movie with my grandmother, and she fell asleep like in the first like ten minutes of the movie. Okay. Well, I think your grandma has good taste in cinema. <laughs> she does. <laughs> she loves Casablanca. Oh, what a woman. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yeah, okay. Well, I guess we could put it to a vote here. The original 1971 Cat in the Hat or the 2012 Lorax. I'm sticking with what I said initially, the 71 Cat in the Hat here for me. I agree. I uh, both are a little higher up, but Cat in the Hat is lower, so I'm going with Cat in the Hat. Uh, How bad uh, uh, can I be? How high can this shit movie go? I can't joke. <laughs> <laughs> like, I like, I have the Lorax at number nine, but that's because I haven't seen some of these movies. Like, I'm sure if I saw more of these, it would be as low as movies in Milk's list. Have you seen 5,000 Fingers of Dr. T? I sure have. This isn't like a B-movie situation. I think this is all surface-level Lorax enjoyment. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, no, I, I do agree with you. In the, it is very surface-level. The ending, the animators didn't care. When the Lorax comes back to life at the end of this film and reunites with the Wunzler, the Wunzler's still got the finid wrapped around his neck like a scarf. That's the very thing that killed the Lorax in the first place. If I was the Lorax, I'd be absolutely pissed off if I came back to life and the first thing that I saw was my worst enemy not having learned his lesson. Still wearing the object that killed me, ruined his neck. Hang him. 
using the IC. Wouldn't it be more wasteful if he threw it away? <laughs> True. As melodramatic and over the top as it is, I, I think it would have been more impactful if he did throw it away whilst the Lorax was there, showing, I'm throwing my old life aside. <laughs> and I'm going to be more friendly to the environment, Mr. Lorax. You were right all along. Yeah, this has been interesting. Alden, what do you want at number 11? Uh, I guess the cat in the hat. The 1971 one? That's already been placed at number 12. Oh, I'm stupid. Yeah, sorry. Hello? You were the deciding vote. <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> no, I'm not following. All right, let, let me catch Alden up to speed since he's been on Mars, I guess. <laughs> uh, I'm going to grab a beer. I know what I'm, I'm putting here. We haven't placed Halloween as Grinch Night, right? We have not placed Halloween as Grinch Night yet. I don't really like it, so. Yo, I love that I haven't seen over half of these and the list that I threw together is all, like already Already so accurate. How high you putting the Hoover Bloop Highway? It's right above Halloween is Grinch Night for me. It is for me as well. I I, I think we'll get there soon. But um, Halloween is Grinch Night is kind of a fever dream. It's very surreal for what it is, which I think is cool because it's kind of like the Dr. Seuss-isms, I think, are, are pretty high there. Um, but where it kind of falls short is like, again, what... Like, is this a prequel to How the Grinch Stole Christmas? I'm going to assume it is. I'm going to assume this takes place the Halloween before that Christmas. Because um, the Grinch is an absolute asshole here again, which I get is, like, the point. But the fact that, like, people are actually scared of him, like, this little, like, the main kid in this is trying to stop the Grinch and is afraid of him. It's just a, it's a fever dream. It does feel like an alternative universe. All three of the animated short films featuring the Grinch all feel like they all take place in different universes where the Grinch hasn't learned his lesson. Um, I do think, I, I do really like Halloween is Grinch Night only because the Grinch doesn't have a change of heart at the end. He's still a, a grouchy little bastard. Um, I'm sick and tired of the Grinch having a change of heart. I've seen it one too many times. It's nice to see him just continue being a bastard. Yeah, I agree. I think that this is like if the Grinch decided to become Joker. Like if if Matthew Morrison was playing this version of the Grinch, I'd agree. He shoots Jack Skellington. I do I do agree with Nate in it as a fever dream, but it's only really for that one sort of sequence. Leading up to that point, the film is quite boring. They reference dollars and 60 cents or something currency in Dr. Seuss. It was a bit higher on my ranking, but not too much higher. So Yeah, it's really weird how a Jimmy Carter presidency was affecting the economics of Dr. Seuss's world in Halloween's Grinch Night. What are we talking about? <laughs> so, Josh, is a Halloween at Grinch Night at number 11 cool with you? Or is this another one that we're going to hear like, oh, fuck. Uh, it is my number 11. Okay, cool. All right. Well, I, I think Adam got away with that scot-free. Let's go. At number 14, we have The Grinch Musical. Then we have The Grinch Grinches the Cat in the Hat at number 13. 12 is The Original Cat in the Hat, 1971. And then 11 is Halloween is Grinch Night. We are now into the top 10. And it is Jory's turn to nominate something. Jory, what did you throw together here at number 10? You know, I'm kind of tempted to say what my number 10 is because I've only seen like five of these movies. But I know what everybody else wants here, at least based on what we were talking about earlier. Fuck it. Let's go with my number 10. My number 10 is How the Grinch Stole Christmas 2000. Starring Jim Carrey. Number 10 is where I had it. I can't believe I'm defending this movie again on this show. Because um, I really don't like this movie. In fact, I hated it as a kid. But I think number 10 is, is pretty, pretty low. I have a couple things lower that have yet to be placed. I think I am going to veto this. Which is odd. Because this is out of character for me to save 
Ron Howard's How the Grinch Stole Christmas. <laughs> saving Bryce Dallas Howard's father's How the Grinch Stole Christmas. <laughs> Vito, I'm saving Dr. Seuss's Bryce Dallas Howard's father's How the Grinch Stole Christmas. <laughs> uh, and I think I'm going to put, yeah, yeah, I'm going to put the Huber Bloob Highway here. Now, I think the Huber Bloob Highway has a little bit of fun with its uh, with its visuals and with its story, but just being over 20 minutes and kind of being another like it's like Dr. Seuss's take on like the uh, the fable of like the storks delivering babies. It's just like, why is this what we're like telling next like how babies are made like the trajectory of these made for tv shorts goes they do the the grinch one it's wildly successful becomes a christmas classic it's played on tv just like the rankin and bass christmas specials every single freaking year and then we get this cat in the hat one that's really middling and no one cares about uh, except josh i guess (laughs) and then we get a halloween grinch one and then somewhere in the middle they're like oh wait we need to do one about babies being made for kids to understand sex education it's weird it's really weird, but at the end of the day, it's at least some of these have a good story. And like the amount of effort that went into Ron Howard's, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard's father's, Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas is something to be admired. Agree. Yeah, the production design alone should make the movie go higher. <laughs> the sets, Jim Carrey being interrogated by the CIA or whatever, learning, learning counter interrogation techniques in order to wear the hair and makeup and contacts for eight hours a day on set. I mean, there was definitely a lot of effort that went into this movie. I just don't think it all lands. But I don't really think that that much effort went into the Hoover Bloob Highway, if I'm being quite honest. The best part is Mel Blanc lending his voice talents. I mean, you got the guy behind Looney Tunes in, in the voice cast here. True. It does feel a lot longer than 20 minutes. It feels like it feels like a lifetime, which is rather fitting seeing as it is going through life. Yeah, no, the pacing in this one was horrible for me. I was struggling to get through it in a single sitting. I had to take breaks, and it's only half an hour long. I watched it at, like, two times speed on YouTube. (laughs) I'm watching it at two times speed on YouTube right now. (laughs) (laughs) Good veto, Nate. Thank you. I tried. All right, we're back to you, Josh. What do you think belongs at number nine? What is the lowest movie you have yet to have ranked? I don't want to just say The Lorax again. How much higher is The Lorax getting? (laughs) (laughs) I haven't seen this movie. Is the 500... 5,000 fingers of Dr. T, like, secret Kino or anything I should know about? Me and Michael probably think so. Yes. Okay. Then I'll go with the Lorax. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. What place are we at? We're at number nine, and... That's okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm happy to see it within the top ten. I, I don't really know how much love it needs to get. I think its overall theme kind of gets lost with the just sheer amount of characters that they add into this. And... For its extended runtime, I think it's like messaging is more confusing than that of the original 1972 Lorax. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For a movie about like the importance of protecting the environment and saving the planet or whatever, which is very 70s in its theming, uh, it gets really muddled in the Dr. Seuss's Lorax. With, like, is it very 70s though? Because I feel like 2008 and 2009, you had Wally and your your film. Ab- well, it came back, but in the 70s, there was that first big like eco-conscious push. Yeah, its take is very old school in the presentation of the Lorax. Whereas, like, sure, there were more environmentally conscious pieces coming out in like 2007, 2008, and 2009. But oh wait, Horton, who's a who? Who was 2008? This was second term Obama propaganda. We got this was anti Mitt Romney propaganda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh, the first time I watched the Lorax was at my mom's friend's house 
And about halfway through the film, my mom's friend's husband said, this is pretty liberal and left the room. <laughs> <laughs> this is pretty gay. <laughs> Leaves the room. How bad can I be? <laughs> Imagine watching Ed Helms sing How bad can I be? Say this is pretty liberal and then leave the room. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, what else do you do in that situation? I am totally fine with the Lorex 2012 being here at number nine. Yeah, that's fine. I don't care. <laughs> I didn't even know that was Ed Helms until recording. <laughs> Damn. Fresh in the office, though, like right before last season. How close to... Uh... Uh, the Hangover 2 was this. This was the year after Hangover 2. <laughs> <laughs> so we're at number eight. And it is your turn, Michael, to nominate a film. What do you think the eighth best Dr. Seuss movie is? I've been having an internal battle between these two movies because they are pretty close to each other. But um, I'm going to go for Illuminations The Grinch from 2018. I was having an internal struggle between that and the Jim Carrey Grinch. Because I think that there's stuff that the Jim Carrey Grinch gets right that this film doesn't. There's stuff that this film gets right that that film doesn't. I will say that this film does put me in the Christmas spirit, whereas the Jim Carrey Grinch is ugly to look at and very mean-spirited. <coughs> mean-spirited for a Christmas film. I agree. Benedict Cumberbatch is the Grinch in the animation with the Grinch is very lacklustre. Um, whereas I think Jim Carrey's performance is far better and pretty much elevates that film just slightly higher for me. Yeah, the 2018 Grinch, uh, animation-wise, I kind of didn't um, like at all because it felt more like an Illumination movie than it did Dr. Seuss's style. It just irked me the wrong way. I will say that this film does have probably my favourite ending out of all of these movies. The the scene where the Grinch is invited to Cindy Lou's house for the... Christmas feast. Yeah, I definitely buy the Grinch's redemption arc in this version of the Grinch more so than I do at least the Ron Howard one for sure. He does. He doesn't come back to Whoville, and he's he's met with cheers and hip hip hoorays. He's he goes back to his cave and has a little lull of depression, and then um, he's invited by Cindy Lou Who, the very kind-hearted Cindy Lou Who. Uh, they have a, a very nice. If somewhat awkward uh, Christmas dinner scene as it is the Grinch's first Christmas dinner. Uh, but then the film, the final shot of the film ends with the, the screaming goat meme. And then that's when I'm immediately pulled back to reality and I'm reminded of the fact that this is an Illumination movie. So yeah, no, I'd, I'd put the, the Grinch here from 2018. Yeah, I don't have a strong argument, but I, I do like that it feels more like a Christmas movie for kids than the Ron Howard's Grinch movie. I remember being extremely put off of this film when I was a kid, and I can't imagine like little kids liking it. I it just oh, I I loved this movie when I was a little kid. I I don't know what you're talking about, Nate. I, I was. I do hear a lot more people with uh, Josh and Michael's take on this than Nate's take, but having not seen this movie, yeah, this still looks off-putting to me, and also did when I was a kid. I remember being like a like a kid and flipping through the channels around Christmas time and seeing like on ABC they've got the How the Grinch Stole Christmas, and I'm like, oh oh, I love this animated movie. And then it would Jim Carrey, like, jumping at the camera, bothering Max the dog. And I'm like, fuck, no, it's the scary one. And then I changed channels. I don't want to call you out, Nate, but I feel like people who probably grew up with, like, maybe, like, weirder cartoons like SpongeBob and that didn't find 
the Ron Howard's Grinch as off-putting. That's fair. That's fair. I, I think that's a really good point. I don't know about that one. I grew up with those cartoons and I still find it off-putting. You haven't even seen this movie, Jory. I know what this movie is. I've seen clips of it. I just haven't sat down and watched the Jim Carrey Grinch in its entirety. because Why? It's 2021. Quick question, Nate. Um, did you watch uh, 2003's The Cat in the Hat as a child? Yes, I did. How were you able to sit through that? But you couldn't... This is a conversation we'll be having much, much later. <laughs> 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 yeah, I'm totally cool with the Illumination Grinch going here at number eight. I think this is plenty high. Yeah, I, I didn't know how high this movie was going. I was back like in my nomination i was like do i put this one i don't know how everybody feels about it all right well it's my turn to do some nominating around here and at number seven i have a movie that i placed at number 11 that is yet to be mentioned uh the 1970 horton here's a who i think that this is a very good way to again tell dr seuss's horton here's a who in the same way that like 1971's cat in the hat is a good way to just tell that like book from book uh it's like these are these are children's stories that are for completely illiterate children who have illiterate parents and no one is reading these books and it's just they bring it to the screen pretty well um but it doesn't add anything really again i think chuck jones's voiceover is the best part there's really just not too much going on it doesn't add anything and i don't like the other the illumination uh horton here's a who either it's actually blue sky that's on the oh you're right it is blue sky yeah <laughs> yikes um yeah i don't like that one either but at least it adds stuff and it has some funny humor and very good voice talent um in both bill farmer and steve carell uh, as well as jim carrey reprising his role uh, in a dr seuss movie for some reason but the the original just doesn't do it for me it's too slow paced and it's only 25 minutes long it doesn't add anything from the book say what you will about the modern animated ones at least there's celebrity voices and uh, they, they add stuff to the source material they don't just tell it page for page and uh i, I don't know I'd rather see something bold done with Dr. Seuss's ideas than just telling them word for word. I feel like there's some uh, cartoons of that era that do do it better, just like how I had the Lorax lower than the 72. But yeah, when it comes to Horton Hears a Who, I don't really care about either one of them. This was just not a Dr. Seuss um, IP that I really like have a strong attachment to, I think both are fine yeah the best uh the best adaptation of horton here's who is uh the seussical the musical by a landslide it does a good job of incorporating i agree horton here's a who into both cat and or not cat and the hat uh how the grinch stole christmas as well as um like the lorax and all of that with like introducing whoville and these characters uh through horton here's a who much like the the old Cat in the Hat, the 1960s Cat in the Hat. I hadn't seen this one until very recently. And I saw that Chuck Jones was directing it. And I was like, yes, this is immediately going to be like number in the top three of my list. But I was very, very disappointed with just how sort of restrained the animation was compared to, say, Looney Tunes or How the Grinch Stole Christmas. So I do agree with you, Nate. And I do agree with Josh in that Horton Hears a Who just as a story just isn't as captivating as say cat in the hat or the grinch or the lorax all right the 1970 horton here's a who number seven it is back to you alden 
This is the last round to use vetoes, so things could get spicy here. As uh, I believe me, Jory, and Josh are the only ones who have used them. Alden, veto yourself. I could. Alden, what do you think number six should be? Uh, this is kind of a hard decision, but my next lowest, I believe, is the 5,000 fingers, and it's at number six. Michael, what are you going to veto this with? <laughs> you know what? I'm going to veto and I'm going to say Horton Hears a Who from 2008. That's what I was going to veto myself with. <laughs> Bravo. <laughs> That's what I was going to say as well. Again, just not not a fan of the source material, really. Um, but I do think this is probably one of the better adaptations of Horton Hears a Who. The pop culture references are very distracting in this. And there's a MySpace reference. Does anyone remember MySpace? That was probably back in my time. I do really like the sort of visual interpretation of the Who's in this. I think this is the best interpretation of the Who's that we've seen. And that they're sort of like a, a hybrid between humans and monkeys. And it's done in a way that isn't uncanny. Yeah, I don't think it belongs in the top five. I just hate Jesse McCartney's JoJo character. It's it's rough. Good thing he doesn't speak for most of it. And then when he does speak, he sings... Uh, Sounds like Theodore. What's, what's the song? What's the song this? <laughs> I can't fight this feeling anymore by Ario Speedwagon. <laughs> that is horrible. Just that scene alone put it down at number six for me. <laughs> the finale, the climax of the film. Yeah, I've got a hot topic sponsorship. Oh my god. Um, so what's number six? Horton hears a who 2008. Oh, that's fine. Sweet. Well, we are moving into the top five, which means the vetoes are null, and Alden is the only one leaving one on the table. Tragic. Just to follow the pattern here, Jory, what, what, what's your lowest out of the top five? Uh, that hasn't been placed yet. Uh, it's 5,000 Fingers of Dr. T, but I don't think that that's relevant based on how everybody else has been talking about it. Wait, didn't you try to place Ron Howard's The Grinch Stole Christmas? Oh, yeah, I did. I forgot that hasn't been placed yet. Yeah, that can go here. If everybody else is down for it, that is. All right, but what if it didn't? go down here <laughs> <laughs> all right alden what do you think should go at number five i mean i feel like what's left five thousand fingers is is a contender i know i know now i've i watched the trailer like you told me to but i know i didn't get around to the watching the movie so is there anything else that could potentially be a contender for number five besides uh bryce dallas howard's father's dr seuss's how the grinch stole christmas it sounds like it's definitely between that and the five thousand fingers of dr t as of right now yeah anyone who hasn't seen the five thousand fingers of dr t this pretty much sums it up in three minutes it's very interesting because like uh it was set to be like the next big fantasy movie and this is in the 50s and dr seuss is publishing these successful children's books and this is the only movie that he actually worked directly on beyond like writing he produced it he shadow directed it to a degree it was it was a big it was a big big risk and a big attempt and then you find how interesting it is that it didn't really land it bombed it was a huge bomb and became like a cult classic down the line uh it has some crazy visuals and with live action characters and everything, it brings like a Dr. Seuss aesthetic to life. And I feel like it kind of walked so Tim Burton could run in a way. I feel like a lot of his kind of visuals lend themselves to Seussisms like this. Yeah, I'm looking at this and I was about to say like this is looking like proto like Tim Burton, this whole thing. There's also some lynching elements to it. There's a guy in the opening scene, the kid's being chased about by a guy with a, a torch on his head and acting like a lighthouse, and it's like, eh? 
what's going on here? Yeah, it is very Lynchian. It's very surreal. It, it's it's kind of ahead of its time in quite a few ways, uh, especially with its like compositing and and green screen effects as the kids fl- floating down from the the heavens. Yeah, <laughs> it's very odd, but I think it's really cool. It's definitely one of the most unique movies on this list. Yeah, I do think that out of these out of similar movies with like Alice in Wonderland and The Wizard of Oz films in which children go to fantasy worlds that they create in their own head i think this one's one of the better ones in capturing a child's wild imagination where real life is just sort of rearing its head in yeah alden if you like shark boy and lava girl as much as you do i'm surprised you, this doesn't pique your interest oh yes honestly you, the grinch can go <laughs> okay i think josh wants to fight this because josh says ron howard's the grinch's stole christmas is the masterpiece did i say that no <laughs> he just got very passionate about me not having seen it he says it's 2021 you haven't seen bryce dallas howard's dr seuss's how the grinch stole christmas now if bryce dallas howard actually directed it maybe i would watch it. i really like bryce dallas howard's father's how the grinch stole christmas but i don't think it really holds up as well as some of the rest the top three that i have seen so honestly this is fine my top five has been compromised i don't give a fuck where this movie goes sounds like it's going at number five all right dr seuss's how the grinch stole christmas 2000 who's uh who's up next for nominations or are we just gonna um i believe it is you jory but yeah we can kind of go free willy from here i mean no vetoes or anything i know like we were discussing earlier my next lowest is uh the five thousand fingers of dr t there's only one i have below it at this point um and that would be the original lorax um I think its theming is really strong and I think it elevates itself from the the book. I feel like it it has enough with its visuals and like the the scene where all the trees are down and the Lorax is just sitting there on a stump very sad. It kind of it kind of hits different, you know. It's definitely more of an emotional impact than anything in the Illumination remake. Yeah. It also is, you know, a 20 minute short and it very much just serves the purpose of being like kind of a environmentally conscious PSA for kids. I don't think it's very like funny, but it's it's charming at least. I will say the 5,000 Fingers of Dr. T, I, I think this is the right place for it because the other three films I, I absolutely adore. The Lorax, like you said, um, is only half an hour long and the 5,000 Fingers of Dr. T is 90 minutes and I feel like there is a, a sort of 10, 20 minute period in the middle of the 5,000 Fingers of Dr. T, where I'm like, right, okay, can we can we just sort of cut back to reality for a second? This is a bit too bonkers for me. But I think this is probably the best place for 5,000 Fingers of Dr. T. I can't really argue about that. If you haven't seen it, I, I would I would say it is very much worth it for the finale alone. Uh, the villain is scared off uh, because the protagonist essentially gives him a bomb threat. <laughs> Pretty much. And it turns it turns out that it is a bomb, and uh, aye, it's crazy, it's mental. But I do have the Lorax um, at number two on my list, so I'm, I'm fine with 5,000 Fingers of Dr. T going here. I think that sounds good. 5,000 Fingers of Dr. T at number four. Number three, Josh, out of the three that we have left, the Lorax, Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas, 1966, and the Mike Myers Cat in the Hat film, which do you think is the worst? The worst and what should go next are two different questions. Okay, what do you think <laughs> should go next? <laughs> the Lorax. <laughs> Sounds good. I kind of agree. The other two are just so wildly iconic for very different reasons. Um, but Save the Trees or Christmas, 
I kind of got to lean towards towards Christmas. I'm sorry if that makes me vain and materialistic, but I definitely think that uh, the holiday season wouldn't be the same without the animated Dr. Seuss How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Sorry, Nate, let me correct you. Um, saving the trees, Christmas, or tripping balls. Yeah, it's clear which one takes the precedent here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, when you go to like... Uh, Universal Studios or whatever, they're still like all year round How the Grinch Stole Christmas merch. I mean, this is this has been such a strong IP for so long now. Mm-hmm. And they've made like attempts to kind of revive it with, you know, two high budget Hollywood like remakes. And they haven't lived up to the original, which is just so inherently charming. I don't know if we'll ever see another attempt at the Lorax. I hope we don't, <laughs> um, if I'm being quite honest. Unless if they have Danny DeVito, like, in person, like a live-action Danny DeVito. <laughs> in a Lorax costume. <laughs> He's just in, like, a giant yellow mustache. <laughs> He borrows Jamie from Mythbusters mustache. I feel like at this rate, if we do see the Lorax again, it's just going to be Dr. Seuss's estate being like, so the Lorax has died. <laughs> the Lorax has been shot dead in Miami. <laughs> When's the Dr. Seuss uh, Avengers type crossover movie? Hopefully never. Well, we had it with the Grinch Grinches, the cat in a hat to an extent. Yeah, it was, it was the Dawn of Justice. <laughs> We're still waiting on the uh, Snyder Cut. Yes. So are we putting it to a vote here between the Lorax uh, or... No, I think the Lorax. Just going with the Lorax. (laughs) The Lorax 1972, I believe. Yep, 1972. I'm so happy to be with people that love the 2003 Cat in the Hat as much as... I I guess what it really comes down to is, do we love it more than a Christmas classic? And for me, I have to say yes. Damn, really? No, no, I I think that's... I think that's taking the meme too far. I I don't. No, it's not taking the meme too far, okay. <laughs> the How to Grinch Stole Christmas is a classic, no doubt. But the 2003 Cat in the Hat is like, it goes beyond like the wacky Jim Carrey like Grinch that we saw where like, it has that wackiness, but then like, oh no, this time it's funny. We're like, it's constantly giving you great material. And it's, uh, it's such a funny performance by Mike Myers and like both like in such a ironic way, but also like, I don't know. It's just such an enjoyable movie. How quick witted it is with its absurdist humor is something that is completely understated and what i really like about it is the production design and the cinematography match that of dr seuss's aesthetic way better than ron howard's how the grinch stole christmas yes everything with like the color choice this the like muted greens and purples are it just it fits this world so well and you watch this movie and you're like aware that this is this is a dr seuss story even if it does have pop culture references and fourth wall breaks and this very modern kind of spastic sense of humor it very much feels like a dr seuss movie more so than that of the other live action attempts to tell this story alec baldwin's pretty much playing himself in the movie oh, yes. i was gonna say that i used to have uh, the dvd for this movie and i would watch the bloopers all the time and it's hilarious because alec baldwin just like curses in the fat kid's face just like yeah. <laughs> every day he messes up yeah and i think dakota F- fanning and uh whatever whoever the hell plays conrad i mean 
they're pretty good child actors for what it is. Like they, they play off of Mike Myers pretty well in terms of comedic timing. He's the kid who's in fucking Santa Claus. Yeah. <laughs> Ben's up wrestling. I just searched him up there. Yeah. I mean, he was around for a little while. He's in the shaggy dog. The, the, the Bruce Willis film, The Kid. It does devastate me seeing that Bo Welch, the director of this, didn't go on to do other directing roles because I think he really showed, showcased his his style as a director. He was, uh, he was ahead of his time. We were kind of mentioning it with The 5,000 Fingers of Dr. T, but that Seuss style, that kind of surrealism and and like the weird architecture and all of that, I think kind of inspired Tim Burton's aesthetics. But... Bo Welch, this was his first directorial film. Uh, he was Tim Burton's production designer for like 25 years before The Cat in the Hat was made. He did almost all of his early work. He did Beetlejuice, Edward Scissorhands. I think he even goes back as far as like the original Frankenweenie and everything. <laughs> this very much feels in tone and in spirit visually with Dr. Seuss's vision, but then brings a Mike Myers vehicle to the limelight. I mean, this is just as funny, if not funnier, than two of the three Austin Powers movies, in my opinion. The actual vehicle that Ken had drives in this is great. I had a toy set of it. <laughs> the slow. Let the 12-year-old drive. Her <laughs> <laughs> <are> two wheels. <laughs> how did you get here? I drove. I like how the babysitter is just watching, like, Korean C-SPAN or something, and they're straight up fighting on, on C-SPAN. Yeah. <laughs> I know this film pretty much word by word. Taiwanese Parliament is what she's watching. I like when they ride her as, like... <laughs> I also really like this movie. The only thing that I want to say to... Because I do think that How the Cringe Stole Christmas should go above it. While this movie is really interesting for a myriad of reasons, I completely agree that Mike Myers is great in it. The child actors are great. Uh, it's really funny all the way through. The production, bleh, production design is amazing. My only thing with it is it really doesn't feel like it has to be the cat in the hat. Like, they kind of pay homage to the original cat in the hat story at the beginning a little bit and sort of at the end but like i feel like it's more of a restriction than anything to it and i feel like it's part of the reason that it didn't get the acclaim that it really deserves when it originally came out because people were looking at the cat in the hat movie being like what the hell why isn't this the cat in the hat whereas the 1966 how the grinch stole christmas is to me the definitive Dr. Seuss adaptation. Like, I still don't think there's been one better, and I don't really have much hope for a better one to come about at this point. I think the Cat in the Hat movie, though, is paced pretty well, where it's like, I guess if you're like, if you're locked into the first act where you're like, you're accepting this is what the movie is, you start to kind of get excited where it's like, oh man, thing one and thing two, uh, that's going to be funny. And then like, oh, then eventually they're going to have to clean up the whole house. How are they going to do it in this? Uh, I think there's, I don't know. I think there's good things to look forward to if you follow it by the cat in the hat story. I mean, just his introduction is, is one of the best parts. They acknowledge the fact that the cat in the hat is terrifying to look at. So they decided to make it into a horror scene fantastic and i think like the difference again in like why this wasn't scary to me as a kid i remember seeing this film in theaters and i loved it as a as a little kid and a lot of the humor that i love now as an adult went right over my head this looks like what you think the cat in the hat would look like 
if it were real like it's terrifying but at least it's it's not lit in like it's a movie monster like jim carrey's the grinch it's like flat lighting just walking around mike myers is walking like a complete fucking idiot in this entire movie <laughs> it's it, it almost feels like it's a parody of itself yeah it definitely does controlled his tail did a really good job like what mike myers said with austin powers was a parody of james bond even though this is under the dr seuss ip I really think they went for a parody of Dr. Seuss, but they could use everything, all the Dr. Seuss properties, unlike Austin Powers, where they couldn't actually use James Bond. Yeah, I suppose. I, I do think what Jory is saying, though, in terms of the integrity of Dr. Seuss, I think that the original uh, Dr. Seuss is How the Grinch Stole Christmas. It stands the test of time. It holds up better than just about everything we talked about in our rank and vast tier list at the end of season one the only thing that i would say that like is kind of going against it is how many other movies on this list there are like it or that are like derivative of it whereas this solely feels like the most unique film on here the only thing you can really compare it to is the ron howard's grinch i kind of agree with jory and i think it should be the grinch should be number one the only mark against well maybe this is four. the only mark uh for or against that I can give this movie is the fact that because of the cat in the hat 2003, there likely won't be another live action Dr. Seuss movie. Yeah. His estate hates this movie. And I think that's funny. Yeah. It's very funny. And they always did like immediately like Dr. Seuss widow was like, never again. We're not doing this Hollywood bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, before we put it to a vote here and have a final say, uh, what's another Dr. Seuss uh, live action remake you would want now that the Dr. Seuss estate is an actual joke? Hang on, let me look up the band book list. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm not going to do that. I, I would love to see uh, a live action Lorax after whoever it was put the, the image of uh, Danny DeVito as uh, a live action Lorax in my mind. Yeah, I agree. That should be the swan song of the Lorax. Yeah. <laughs> the swan song of the earth. True. I want a uh, There's a Walkit in My Pocket live action movie starring Timothy Chalamet as the main kid. And then <laughs> the Walkit is voiced by Amy Schumer. I know this sounds fucking horrible, <laughs> but don't worry. The Walkit only has three lines in the book. So it, it, I think I think that would really, really be great. It'd be a good way to showcase a bunch of cool creature design. I want Guillermo del Toro directing. <laughs> this, this is going to be something special. But it also keeps Amy Schumer and like keeps her career. The public guy. Does she still have her career? I hope not. If they do a live action Green Eggs and Ham movie, Gordon Ramsay's got to have like a cameo in it criticizing the meal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, is this and then at the very end he tries it he's like this is amazing <laughs> i will not eat green eggs and ham you donut <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's like a kitchen nightmares episode <laughs> your, your ham is green sam i am you realize that <laughs> <laughs> all right do we want to vote i'm ready sure i'm sticking with cat in the hat here number one i am also sticking with cat in the hat here number one i'm putting the grinch how the grinch stole christmas at number one i'm with michael how the Grinch Stole Christmas, number one. All right, Josh, this is your favorite. You get to be the deciding vote once again. I think this movie not only should win this bracket and should maybe win the final bracket, Can the Hat 2003 is my pick for number one. All the Dr. Seuss fans are going to be knocking at your door with pitchforks and torches. That's okay, I'll leave it unlocked. Are you going to have a baseball bat ready for them? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> Slow's going to be in the driveway. All right. Well, uh, does everyone want to read their personal lists before we get taken away here? Yeah. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll go first. At number 14, I had Dr. Seuss's The Grinch Musical. Number 13, I had Dr. Seuss's The Cat in the Hat. 1971. At number 12, I had The Grinch Grinches, The Cat in the Hat, 1982. Then I had Dr. Seuss's Horton Hears a Who, 1970. Then I had Halloween is Grinch Night, uh, 1977, at number 10. It doesn't fucking matter. Number 9, uh, The Hoober Bloob Highway, at number 8. I have Horton Hears a Who, 2008. Then I have Illuminations The Lorax, at, at uh, number 7. Number 6, I have Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas, directed by Ron Howard. Then number 5, I have The Lorax, 1972. Number 4, I have The Grinch, 2018. At number 3, I have The 5,000 Fingers of Dr. T. Number 2, I have How the Grinch Stole Christmas. And number 1, The Cat in the Hat. 2003. Let's go. Don't judge me for my bottom ones. I just put the ones I haven't seen at the bottom. So number 14, The Grinch Musical. Number 13, uh, The 5,000 Figures of Dr. T. I'm sorry, I didn't see it. Number 12, uh, Hooper Bloom Highway. <laughs> number 11, Halloween <laughs> is a Grinch night. Number 10, uh, The 2018 Grinch. Uh, number 9, uh, The Lorax, the, the new one. Number 8, uh, New Horton Hears a Who, number seven, the old Horton Hears a Who, number six, the original Lorax, number five, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the Jim Carrey, Ron Howard's, or Bryce Dallas Howard's father's version, number four, uh, The Grinch Grinches the Cat in the Hat, Y'all Are Mean, number three, The Cat in the Hat, 1971, Y'all Are Very Mean, number two, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the 1966 original version, and number one, the masterpiece, the 2003 Mike Myers, Ken the Hat. Very nice. All right, I guess I'll go next. Let's see. Number 14, Dr. Seuss's The Grinch Musical. Number 13, The Grinch Grinch's The Cat in the Hat. Number 12, The Cat in the Hat, 1971. Number 11, Halloween is Grinch Night, 1977. Number 10, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, 2000. Number 9, The Grinch, 2018. Number 8, The 5,000 Fingers of Dr. T, 1953. Number seven, The Hoober Bloob Highway, 1957, 75, shit. Number six, The Lorax, 1972. Number five, Horton Hears a Who, 1970. Number four, Horton Hears a Who, 2008. Number three, The Lorax, 2012. Number two, The Cat in the Hat, 2003. And number one, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, 1966. I only saw my top four. Nice. Uh, number 14, Dr. Seuss's The Grinch Musical. Number 13, The Lorax. 2012. Number 12, The Hoover Bloop Highway. Number 11, The Grinch Grinches the Cat in the Hat. Number 10, How the Grinch Stole Christmas 2000. Number 9, The Grinch. Chop and change, they're, they're pretty much the same. Number 8, Halloween is Grinch Night. Number 7, Horton Hears a Who 1970. Number 6, Horton Hears a Who 2008. Number 5, The 5,000 Fingers of Dr. T 1953. Number four, The Cat in the Hat, 1971. Number three, Cat in the Hat, 2003. Number two, The Lorax, 1972. And number one, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, 1966. Uh, Alden, did you read yours? <coughs> no. Uh, 14, The Grinch Musical. 13, The Grinch Grinch is the Cat in the Hat. 12, Halloween. Night. 11, The Hoover Bloob Highway. 10, The Cat in the Hat, 1971. 
Nine, Horton Hears a Who, 1970. Eight, The Grinch, 2018. Seven, The Lorax, 2012. Six, The 5,000 Fingers of Dr. T. Five, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard's Father's How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Four, uh, Horton Hears a Who, 2008. Three, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, 1966. Uh, Two, The Lorax, 1972. And one, The Cat in the Hat, 2003. What a fantastic list. Here is <laughs> the group list. This is the one that we made together and is going to be reflective at the year, at the end of the year bracket. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Number 14, The Grinch Musical. Number 13, The Grinch Grinches the Cat in the Hat, Dawn of Justice. Bruh. Number 12, The Cat in the Hat, 1971. Bruh. Number 11, Halloween is Grinch Night. 10, The Hoober Bloob Highway. 9, The Lorax, 2012. 8, The Grinch, 2018. 7, Horton Hears a Who, 1970. 6, Horton Hears a Who, 2008. 5, Bryce Dallas Howard's Father's Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Number 4, The 5,000 Fingers of Dr. T. Number 3, The Lorax, 1972. 2, Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas, 1966. And number 1, The Cat in the Hat. 2003. Well, this has been a roller coaster. Any any final thoughts here about Dr. Seuss, his legacy, or these fantastic movies? I don't think we have the right to talk about his legacy if we've got Cat in the Hat from 2003 at number one. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, the only reason I wanted to do this episode was to get Cat in the Hat on the year-end bracket. I genuinely think it's one of the most underrated comedies of the 2000s. I cannot thank you enough for doing so. Who would win in a fight? Baby Grinch or Baby Yoda slash Grogu? Baby Grinch in a heartbeat. Baby Grinch is already looking like a problem. So. Baby Grinch started filing his taxes fresh out of the womb. <laughs> <laughs> this has been great fun. Yes, it has. Thank you, Michael, from Movies and Milk. Check them out over on YouTube. Uh, fantastic videos. The commentary tracker, whatever you want to call it, you did of The Fly reacting and watching that the first time really popped off. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why that one out of all of them. I've done Human Centipede and Cannibal Holocaust, but for some reason the most the most family friendly film out of the three is the the most popular. But there we are. Very interesting that uh, Cannibal Holocaust didn't blow up the <laughs> didn't blow up the internet somehow. I mean, very gory movie. I'm surprised you even got any of it in a YouTube video. Trust me, it took a, it took a long time. <laughs> well, thank you very much for having me on. Absolutely, of course. Are you uh, planning on doing the same thing uh, with? Falcon and the Winter Soldier, as you did for uh, uh, WandaVision, where you uh, take a shot between each episode as you recap them for us. If there's a demand for it, but right now I've not actually watched any of the Falcon and Winter Soldier because it just looks like normal Marvel pish. Uh... The only way that I'm going to understand anything that happens in that show is if you do a recap on it, because I only watched the first two episodes of WandaVision and I had no intention of finding out what happened after that. But then you uploaded your video. Yeah, likewise. I didn't care about WandaVision at all and watching you recap it was the the way that I was meant to view it. <laughs> I've only watched episode three, I think, of Captain Falcon in the winter, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and it was okay. I don't care about it. <laughs> if you boys want to see it, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. I mean, my liver was on fire after filming that WandaVision video. But no excuses. I'll do it. I'll do it. For the <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs>
Oh, I'm looking forward to it. We we will promote the crap out of it. We will make it your most viewed video if we have any power at all. Oh yes, oh yes, yeah. So that's uh, movies and milk on YouTube. Uh, movies with two O's. Uh, we've also got a TikTok page and an Instagram page and a Facebook page that we really ever use. It's mainly just there to update my mother on whenever I upload a video because she's too scared to subscribe to a YouTube channel in case it costs money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my parents don't even understand how YouTube works. It's crazy. Well, this has been another fantastic episode of Duel of the Takes. And what are we doing next week? Uh, who really cares? <laughs> <laughs> next week is... Uh, oh, our Star Wars characters list. That's going to be interesting. Michael, who's your favorite Star Wars character? Babu Freak from uh, the latest Star Wars movie. Skywalker. Sweet, I think we have the same list. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to today's episode of Duel of the Takes. Next week, we'll be making a list of the top 20 Star Wars characters of all time. Special thanks to Anchor.fm for sponsoring today's episode. And remember, if I don't see you, Good afternoon, good evening, and good night.